I want to turn your attention to the book of Luke. We were there last week and I want to read a portion of scripture that I will then return to. For those that have not been with us, we have been on a three-week journey. These genuine gifts of Christ's love. Two weeks ago we discussed and then joy, the joy of the Lord. What is biblical love and what is biblical joy? And this week as we conclude this particular series, I feel to preach about peace. Isn't it amazing how the Lord sets things up? He is. He is a good God. Verse 13 of Luke, the second chapter, says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, Peace. Everyone say peace. peace. On earth, peace. Goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds, they said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they'd seen it, not just him, but when they had seen it, the entirety of the scenario, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Watch this in verse 18. And... All they that heard it, what did they do? They wondered. They wondered at those things which were told by the shepherds. From our English translation here in the KJV, I would like to take that word, wondered, from 18, and I would like to tie it to peace from verse 14. And I would like to preach on a thought, on a topic that most of us have been singing about for a long time. Wonderful peace. His peace is full of wonder. Lord, we love you. We're thankful for our time together in this house. I pray that you would help us Help us to be strengthened in your presence. Help everyone that's in this place that is in need of peace, which is really all of us, to find not the kind of peace that can roll off of an assembly line or that can be manufactured by some temporary and fleeting feeling, but give us the understanding of the wonderful peace of God. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. 
and let everyone in this house say amen. amen. God bless you and you may be seated. Now, when you're seated, turn to a neighbor near you and give them a real big Christmas smile. Wonderful peace. If you don't feel peace this Christmas season, I would encourage you a homework assignment at the start of today's class. I'd pull out a piece of paper and start writing down everything has, that God has done for you. If your kids are living for God, write it down. If your spouse is still with you, write it down. If you've got the health to write the letter, write it down. It started in a garden. It was no regular garden. It was the garden of gardens. And it was called and recorded eternally as the Garden of Eden. I would submit to you here today that the Garden of Eden was the original representation of peace to mankind. It was God in communion with his creation. It was a husband and wife at peace with each other. <laughs> and in dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowls of the air. But in the perfection of this peace, there was an enemy. And he authored confusion by the introduction of question. The introduction of question, which most of us know, is to the questioning of the word of God. And it was during this time that the questioning of God's word led to nothing short of rebellion against the will of God. I want to say that, and that's a heavy statement on a Sunday morning, but it's important that we all hear that. It was rebellion against the will of God, to which I believe tees up this statement. Rebellion against God's word can never be in harmony with living in God's will. You must never try to convince yourself that you are in his will while you are in rebellion with his word. For to be in rebellion against his word immediately puts you into a place where you are disqualified from being in his will. His will is communion with his people. Can I tell you that at the flip side of that, the enemy's will is that communion to be broken? to be destroyed, to be taken away. 
But I would tell you here today that if we are not careful, that we would allow that very thing, that very rebellion, that very confusion to get a hold of us. Well, I'm not sure if it's the will of God. Well, Paul would later write to us in 1 Corinthians that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And he was writing here in context about the prophet and the spirit of the prophet. But he was making sure the church knew when peace gets disrupted, and when confusion begins to reign, God has not authored that. But it is the authorship of the enemy. I've spent my time this week and in prayer working throughout what the piece of Scripture looks like. And I have not been able to stay away from the contrast of what we celebrate as the manger with the reality of the Old Testament presence of God. It was some time, a period of months ago, that I spent time preaching to this church on a Sunday morning about the people under the leadership of Moses where they seemed terrified with the presence of God. And they, in fact, if you remember, do not want to speak with God, but you speak to God on our behalf. And where they were in that moment honestly seems to be portrayed throughout a lot of the Old Testament. That there was more than a fear in the sense of reverence, but there was actually a fear of the presence of God and the ability to interact and engage with the Lord. But I will tell you it has always been since the beginning of creation that God would have a close relationship with his people. It has always been the desire. We didn't need a thesis nailed to a wall for us to be taught that God desired a relationship with his people. He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to spend time with us during our prayer and during our relationships. And that is why we celebrate even when we walk into church on a day like today. When we come together and we begin to worship Him, why do we feel something? People tell me often that are not acquainted with going to church and feeling the presence of God. I, I've heard it so many times I've lost track. I wasn't prepared to feel that. All of a sudden, I had these like goose pimples. I love looking at people and smiling and telling them, you were designed to feel the presence of God more than hype and more than, more than emotion and more than sensationalism. But your body, as much as the enemy doesn't want you to know it, your mind and your heart and your body was designed so that when you get in the presence of God, well, how do you know he's here? Because this same word that tells me that he wants communion tells me that when just two or three people get together and they... They start worshiping in his name and they start agreeing in his name. And, and it's this same book that tells me if people start praising him that, that God says, wait a minute, he is drawn and attracted to that praise. 
And so if you're here today and you say, well, I didn't know what I was feeling while they were singing. I thought it was just because I'd never heard that song. Know what you're feeling. I want to I wanna take that, that, that lie of the enemy that would want you to believe that it's just hype or a, or a production. You can't produce the Holy Ghost. You, you can't produce the, the spirit of what you're feeling here today is the presence of a very real God. It was at the introduction of that, that sin, that fig or that apple or whatever. Everybody's called it everything and certain theologians study it out to call it. Let me tell you what it was. It was temptation which led to rebellion, which led to separation that only the Lord could reconcile. But as soon as they sinned, what did they do? They went and they hid themselves. Confusion will make you hide from the presence of God. God was never against Adam and Eve. He wanted their actions to stay pure. Yes, he did. But their own actions within rebellion caused this divide. And they go and they hide themselves. But I want to submit to you today that there has always been a plan in the mind of God. There has always been a redemptive plan in the mind of God. Peace coming to this earth. I would take you here today, if you'll go with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 and verse 7. For unto us a child is born. Fits perfect within our study on Wednesday nights. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. A prince is often defined by his domain, like the prince of Egypt or the prince of Persia, or in, in our time, maybe even the prince of Wales. But Isaiah prophesies our Savior will be the prince of peace. Can I tell you, that no kingdom of that time was shaking like the very enemy that had slithered his way up to Adam and Eve and began to speak confusion. Everything about the kingdoms that we've been looking at on Wednesday nights and the divided heart that Brother Turner so masterfully taught about on Wednesday night, it was all because of the confusion of the enemy. But Isaiah the prophet said there is a prince coming. And he will be the prince that has dominion over every land and every territory. But I'm going to shake you up a little bit. He's going to be the prince of every heart. He's going to be the prince of every mind. He's going to be the prince of every tongue. That's why it matters how you live when you live for God. Because when he becomes the prince of your life, it changes the way you walk. When he really becomes the prince of your mind and your heart, it will affect your tongue. 
Let me just give you a little Bible study here about the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. It is more than evidence so that some people around you can say, okay, they really did get it. It's so that everybody, even hell, has to be served notice. They're not mine anymore. I don't have them anymore. The Prince of Peace got them. The Prince of... Come on, if you're a tongue-talking, born-again, Jesus-name-believing apostolic, you ought to say, thank God for his peace. Thank God for his peace. It's the peace. It's the wonderful peace. It's coming down from the Father. And they were intimidated by the presence of God. Make no mistake, when Isaiah prophesied him, it sent shockwaves through the enemy's camp. He's got kings that are bowing. For those that have been here on Wednesday nights, you know it. Some 20 in Israel over 300 years. Some What would it have been? 19, 20 minus, so 12. Over 430 years. Evil, wicked, wicked, wicked. So few of them in percentages being righteous before the Lord. And there is this, there is this Old Testament understanding. You, 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 you can be a king or you can be a priest, but you can't be both. <laughs> it's not what Isaiah said. He's going to be the king and he's going to be He's going to be a high priest, but he's going to be a king of kings. And while he's at it, he won't just be the king. He's going to be the prince of peace. Well, who are they talking? He'll be the wonderful counselor also. Wait a minute. I, I don't think that really makes sense. Can I remind us here today? This entire season needs to remind us this collectively. This is not built on logic. This is built on faith. This is not built on what... This is not built on what your brother agrees with. This is, not, this is not based on what your parents think is acceptable. This is based on what this word that is forever settled in heaven describes and declares to us. I believe this word so much. Brother Fridley, I believe this word so much that when Isaiah prophesied, it was done. I believe, Brother Ross, I believe with all my heart when Isaiah said, unless a child is born, unless a son is given, in my mind, when he said it, it's in the bank. You want a sure bet? When the prophet got up and said, his name shall be. Wonderful. Counselor. You know what I think Isaiah heard? I think Isaiah heard hundreds of years before the cries of an infant in a manger and said, mark it down. He's gonna be the might. He's coming. He's coming. Now, take the last three weeks and dovetail it all together and think of the season in which Isaiah's prophesying. <laughs> Debauchery. Sin. The wickedness of kings and kingdoms. And Isaiah walks up and says, got a word. <laughs> For unto us, 
Isaiah, this don't really seem like the right time. Look around. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what the Lord says. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government... While the government's crumbling around them and Assyria's coming in and Babylon's coming in. No, no, no. He said, no, 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 no. The government be on his shoulders. I need to tell somebody in this room, man, I feel prompted of the Lord to tell somebody. He needs to take over the government of your life. I'm not talking about our Western Hemisphere government. I'm not talking about the United States of America. I'm, not talk, I'm talking about the government of your life where he becomes the governing principality of your life. Come on. This love and this joy and this peace, you don't get these unless he is the prince of peace in your life. He has to be the governing. Man, I'm talking to somebody right now. He's got to be the governing authority of your life. I don't use this lightly. I use this reverently. But 10 days ago, 10 days ago, I sat in the living room of a family that's dealing with loss today. Talk open. I'm just going to talk. Am I okay? I hope so. I'm supposed to board a flight. Sister Brown knows this. I was supposed to board a flight. Supposed to be preaching at that time in California. I couldn't get away from it. Called them, told them the situation. I said, I feel like I'm supposed to go sit in the saint's house tomorrow. Forgive me, but my call is more to pastor these people than to preach your meeting. And I went and I sat in that living room. And while I was supposed to be preaching that meeting on the West Coast, a man whose body was almost done here on earth because of cancer looked at me and preached to me. His body that was losing time with earth. His mind was already going to a heavenly place. And he looked at me and he said, Pastor Carson, Pastor Lopez was there with me. I've relived these words over and over and over again. When Brother Hunter looked at me and said, Pastor, he said, I can truly tell you, I have got peace that passes understanding. Can I tell you, you can't get that in a pill and you can't get that in a bottle and you can't get that from your horoscope. You can't get that from some pop-up witch doctor. You can only get that kind of peace from the Prince of Peace. He said, my mind's on heaven. My heart's in it. I want to tell you this morning, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're battling, no matter what you're going through, there is a peace you cannot find outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I wish we'd just lift him up again. No, no music, no playing, no instruments. Let's just worship him today. Just worship Jesus in your own way. <laughs> Woo! 
I feel like peace is coming to somebody right now in this room. Somebody's starting to say, wait a minute, he's been too good to me. I'm talking to some people in this room right now. You could, you could give the devil a bad day by throwing your hands towards heaven and say, wait a minute, he's the prince of peace. I'm his. Every part of my mind is his. Every part of my heart is his. Maybe seated from the rebellion in the garden until this, this present time, our world has been in pursuit of peace. And that's only due to the fact that some will not accept him. That's what I believe. We've recently honored individuals in this, in this room that were a part of the military and even the fighting and the pursuit of peace. Those that have done their best be a part of this conquest for peace. But I will tell you that it is not confined to the battlefields of global conflict. But peace is waged every day in minds, hearts, and homes. I would tell you that it is even the desire for peace that makes people consistently turn to things to dull their feelings. It was Dwight Eisenhower who was quoted, We seek peace knowing peace to be the climate of freedom. We seek peace knowing that peace is the climate of freedom. I present to the men and women of God in this room today and I tell you that you will have challenges but you can have peace in the process and you can have peace in the situation my wife and I have got to attend a place in Pennsylvania and Branson, and many here have been there. It is called Sight and Sound. If you've ever been to a Sight and Sound, would you raise your hand and let that be known? They do theatrical dramas, and they play out. It's, it's Bible-based stories. So I have seen Jonah and Noah and uh, I think we saw Daniel. May I can't remember. We've seen multiple but one of the most powerful dramas that I have ever seen, I was talking to another pastor about it on the phone this morning, was one known as the miracle of Christmas. And it was here where the birth of Christ was on display. And I, I don't want to give anything away to anyone that hasn't watched it, but there's no way my words could do it justice. But my mind is forever I believe going to grasp the imagery that I watched as they tried to portray the birth of Christ. My wife and I have talked about it multiple times. As they have done their best to display the manger scene and the scenario, the animals that are there, the weariness of the family. But they show to the best of ability Mary in her travail in the pain of childbirth. 
And it is here in this moment, I was not prepared for it where we were sitting because somehow out of the ceiling from one side comes a person dressed completely in long black clothing. I picked up immediately. It was supposed to be a spirit of darkness. And from this side, here comes a flowing white robe of, of what was meant to be an angel coming across. And, and it is a, a little building of the scene, but illustratively what it showed for me. And here, while Mary is there giving birth below, there is a fight in the heavenlies above. Because a guy, my attention was quite caught. When those angels flew across, and they both had seals, these long swords in their hands and I remember watching, I mean in full air, this has to be an insurance nightmare. In the air, I see this dark angel begin to take and this sword comes across and here is the white angel that stops and combats. This dark angel is trying to get towards the birth of this child, but, but this, this angel of light is fighting and, and there are sparks flying and the audience is mesmerized, but I find myself weeping. Because I had never thought of it on that level. Understanding what happens when Mary gives birth to this baby. This was not just any child. This was the prince. This was the prince of peace. And everything that was being warred for, he was the prince. The prince that was coming to set men and women free. The very thing that the enemy had crept in and tried to antagonize and ruin in the garden and the separation. And now all of a sudden there would be things like pain with childbirth. And there would be labor. And there would be working the field. And there would be toiling. And there would be thorns. And there would be thistles. But there would be this sin issue. But no one... No one had been able to eradicate that because only one, only one could do this. Can I tell you today, there is only one Prince of Peace. Oh, pastor, that's simple. No, it's not. No, it's not. It might be simple to the fact that you've heard it a lot, but when you really think about it, that the Prince of Peace can walk into your life at any moment. Please catch me. Please hear this. The Prince of Peace could walk into your life. He can walk into your marriage. can walk into your home because he was born into this very world. Nothing, nothing, nothing had made hell shudder as much since Isaiah's prophecy as her delivery. Because when he was born, whew, there's angels going to appear and there's shepherds that are going to come. Isn't it amazing that he appeared? They appeared to the shepherds, what many would have considered the lowliest among them, the people that no one would go to. And yet here, here he is, the great shepherd being born. He's the shepherd and he is the sheep. The sheep, the lamb, the lion. What all do we call him? The Prince of Peace, yeah, but we call him Wonderful Counselor. What else do we call him? God, mighty God in Christ. What else? What do you hear him called? Let's, let's have fun right now. Let's just go on a run. Lily of the Valley. The cup, come on. I want you to speak just so you can give hell a bad day. Go ahead. Lion of the tribe of Judah, I heard it. 
bright and morning star. Come on, we got them all over this house. I, Lily of the Valley, I dare somebody to start going through the Jehovah's. Waymaker, El Shaddai, Savior of all. Go ahead. Jehovah Jireh. Miracle worker. Promise keeper. Emmanuel. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David. What makes hell nervous ought to make us rejoice. What makes hell nervous ought to make us shout. Where are my manly men? Come on, manly men. Act manly for a second. You're a victor, not the victim. You're a chief. You are powerful through God. Women of God rejoice. Men of God lift up holy hands. It's what the Bible says. He's my victor. He's my savior. Well, I'm not emotional. You lie. You are emotional. We're all emotional about something. And if I'm going to get emotional about anything, I'm going to get emotional about the fact that he's God and he's worthy. He's God. This season is not about trinkets and toys, but it's about peace. It's about peace. That passes. That's what Philippians says. It's what Philippians says. Peace that passes. All understanding. Why do you keep serving him? Stand with me all over this house. Because he gives. He's given me something. The world cannot. Say, Pastor, what's the part about the men? Where did that come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. He was born to show us how to be a man. It's part of it. Say, wait a minute. He did the whole turn the other cheek. He also did some table flipping. He did. We got to celebrate being men and women of God in this season. Men and women of God in this season. Pastor, why why are some people being healed and some aren't? I don't know. Probably shouldn't say that as a pastor. Ready? Get it on the tape. Play it across the internet. Put it down if you you need a statement to, to be against me. Here's my answer on record. I don't know. But I know this. Here's what I do know. His ways are above mine. His ways are perfect. 
And His peace, His peace is wonderful. Oh, we say, peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down <laughs> from the Father. Oh, 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 sweep, sweep, oh. Yes. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. Fathomless bills. Oh, I think we ought to make, maybe we just sing this again all over the house. Come on, we say peace. Won't you singers come help me? Wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above, sweep over, forever I pray. While they play to everyone in this room, love, joy, peace. They're only real through Him. The older I get and the more I talk to elders about this topic, they confirm there is nothing that can replace or substitute the peace of God. The peace of God. 